This is a reading from the book of Psalms, chapter 103, verses 1 through 5, found on a page 502 of the Pew Bibles. Hear these words from the book that we love. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who, satisfy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. New Testament scholar N.T. Wright, uh, who's written some of the best books on Jesus you'll ever read, he used to teach at Oxford University, and part of his job was to meet with incoming students. And he used to tell a story about how students would come to his office, and sometimes they would come in to warn him, because they knew that he was the bishop of the ch in the Church of England, and they came to warn him, and they would say something like this, I just want you to know, I don't believe in God. And N.T. Wright, when they would say something like that, would, would smile and respond, okay, what God don't you believe in? And they say, well, you, something like this, well, um, I don't believe in a God with like a long flowing beard who's like sitting up on the clouds and he just, he has lightning bolts and he's just going to throw them at us when we mess up. And N.T. Wright would reply, good, I don't believe in that God either. See, what these students had were fake pictures of God. And what we need to realize is that any picture of God that we have, any picture of God that I have, must come from how God has chosen to reveal himself. It doesn't matter how I feel about a certain picture of God. It doesn't matter what I might think or what I've read on the internet. If it's not how God has chosen to reveal himself, it's a fake picture. It's not God because it's not the God we find in Scripture. So who's the God I believe in? Like I said last week, when we say the Apostles' Creed, which is what this series is on, it's each of our individual voices becoming one voice, proclaiming the truth of the gospel. So when we say the Apostles' Creed, my voice joins yours. When we say, I believe in God, it's one voice saying, I believe in God, all the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. So what the Apostles' Creed teaches us is that the almighty God who's worthy of all praise and who created the whole universe is also my loving, eternal Father. And when we believe in fake pictures of God, no matter how important they may be to us and how, no matter how they may, we may feel they change our lives, it's not a picture of God. We commit what the Bible calls idolatry. Because when we do that, we create a God in our own image. Instead, we need to let God tell us who he is. And sometimes that looks like a God, you know, when we make God in our own image, sometimes it looks like a God with a white flowing beard. 
and it's just us throwing and throwing lightning bolts. And so a lot of times we go, okay, well, we, we know God's not like that. But we might say, well, I can't believe in a God who would punish or judge anyone. Or maybe it's like Elton John, who in an interview with Parade Magazine in 2010 said, I think Jesus, the Son of God, was a compassionate, super intelligent gay man who understood human problems. You see that? Elton John, a very outspoken gay man, creates Jesus, God the Son, in his own image as a gay man. And that could be anything, right? Like wherever, you, you know, Jesus is this, I love social justice, I, I love mercy, I love compassion. Jesus is this social worker. Or I love the truth. And I love, like, I love theology. And Jesus becomes a professor. But unless the picture of God you have comes from how God has chosen to reveal himself, it ain't God. It ain't. So how has God chosen to reveal himself? And this is where the Apostles' Creed is really helpful. When, like I quoted J.I. Packer last week, where he talked about if life is a journey and the Bible is a roadmap, the Apostles' Creed is a simplified version of that map. So young people, you probably have never seen this, so let me just talk to the older crew, the crew of the previous generations, all right? Maybe millennials and backwards. I remember my dad planning out our family trip. Anybody have a family road trip dad moment where he takes the map and he puts it on the table? Anybody have that experience? Okay, good. Three of you know what I'm talking about. And so what God would do, uh, my dad would do, not God, whew, dad, you're not God if you're listening to this. But what my dad would do is he would lay out the map and he would take a highlighter and he would highlight every stop along the way and we would have a, a clear route to our final destination. Well, the Bible gives us a lot of details, like the whole map. But the Apostles' Creed says, let me grab a highlighter and just highlight some things along the way for you so you know how to get to your final destination to answer the question, who is the God I believe in? And the Apostles' Creed, the way it does this is it breaks it down in three parts. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's who God is. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So it says it's kind of broken up in those three parts, right? There's three chunks. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. I believe in the Holy Spirit. So can, can we just dive into some deeper theology for a second? Okay, nobody's giving me the okay, but we're going to do that. It's in my notes already, so it's just going to happen, all right? Christians have historically believed God is three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but one God. So these three persons, these three distinct persons are one God. You might hear the term the Trinity. I kind of prefer the triune God because it gives me a little picture of like God's unity. And that might seem confusing, and you might not understand it, and welcome to the club because neither do I. And what happens is when we try to understand it, that's usually when we get the fake pictures of God. Like, oh, God is like a clover, or God is like an egg, or God is like the three different ways water is, we see it in, on earth. You know, like, that is always, that's when you start the road of heresy. Right? Just to let you know. Historically, that's how you become a heretic. But God revealed himself in this way from the very first pages of the Bible. He's revealed himself as triune. So check this out. Genesis 1, 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, 
right? So we've got the Father. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And who? The Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. So here we see God the Father and the Holy Spirit. And it took some time, but after Jesus' death and resurrection, the apostles looked at their Old Testament Bibles and saw things with fresh eyes. So the apostle John tells us that Jesus, God the Son, the Word, was at creation too. So he says in John 1, 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So when Genesis 1, 26 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. The New Testament writers, the apostles said, Who, Who's the us in creation? It's the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And if you're here during the Cultural Creed series, remember I said something like, hey, the Bible is really interested in the who of creation, not necessarily the how of creation. And the how of creation can also lead us to false pictures, fake pictures of God. It can lead us to idolatry. If God had to do it this way, when God hasn't said he did it that exactly like that, that could be a problem too. So who is God? Who, who is the God who says, let us Make man in our own image, it's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So from the very first pages of our Bibles, all three members of the triune God are present, united together in purpose and the mission of creation. So I love the Athanasian Creed and how it says this. It's a later creed. It says, now this is the Catholic faith. And we worship one God in Trinity and the Trinity in unity. Neither blending their persons, right? They're distinct persons. Nor dividing their essence. Essence means being. You don't divide up their unity, their being. For the person of the Father is a distinct person. The person of the Son is another. And that of the Holy Spirit is still another. But the divinity of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is one. Their glory equal. Their majesty co-eternal. Now look, again... That may make no sense to you. It might make no sense. And it doesn't make sense to me. But that's how God has decided to reveal himself as God three in one. So the God I believe in, when I say I believe in God, is God three distinct persons, but one God. So there's a chart that I have that might make this simpler. Right? It's this kind of idea, right? The Father, if you look, follow the outside, the Father is not, the Holy Spirit is not, the Son is not, right? They're not any of the outside parts of the triangle, but they all are God. That's, that's the best I got for you. All right? That's 2,000 years of Trinitarian theology and doctrine in one chart for you. You could go home, you figured it out. All right? So this is the God I believe in, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three distinct persons. They're not either each other, right? The Son is not the Father. The Father is not the Son. The Son and the Father aren't the Holy Spirit, but they are all God. Three distinct persons, one God. But today, what I want us to really focus in on is God the Father. So if you have your Bibles, let's turn to Psalm 103, where we'll see that God is the object of praise and that God is the eternal, loving Father. So let's look at Psalm 103, verse 1. Psalm is in kind of the middle of your Bible. You should be able to find it if you kind of just like let it drop open. Verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Praising God the Father actually keeps us from developing fake pictures of him. Have you seen this picture 
of the Pope that I think that you should have here. Everybody see this picture? I love the caption, the boys in Brooklyn could only hope for this level of drip, right? If you don't know what drip is, ask your Gen Z kids. Uh, it's famously called Coat Pope. What's the problem with this picture? Anybody know? It's fake. Apparently, it was created by a 31-year-old construction worker who used AI to create a picture of the Pope wearing a $3,000 designer coat. Now, why you pay $3,000 for a coat like that is a whole other discussion and sermon for another day. But it spread all over the internet. And here's the problem. Most people didn't catch it was a fake. They thought it was real. See, there's a lot of fake pictures of God on the internet. And many times, people don't know how to catch the fakes. Many people think Mormonism and Jehovah Witnesses are Christians. They're not. Even they will say, I was watching a show about a polygamous Mormon family, which you know what you do on Friday night. And I was watching the show and the wife kept saying, well, we kind of, we share a lot of similarities with other Christians. And it took everything in me. And I think I did say it out loud. You can ask my wife. I was like, you're not a Christian. Because you have a fake picture of God because they don't believe God is triune. And some fakes are so good that they fool Christians too. And these are usually the ones we develop on our own without any help. So let me give you two examples. Apathy and disappointment can give you a fake picture. What David is doing in Psalm 1 is he's giving us the tools to spot some of the fakes that you develop on your own. David here praising God as a way to shake off apathy and disappointment he feels deep in his soul. Man, there's a lot of apathetic Christians out there. A lot. They've had Jesus sent before them. He's the most important person who's ever lived. He's God in human flesh who gave his life to rescue us from sin, but somehow we still believe that we have this picture of God who's apathetic. A God who's apathetic toward our sin. I don't really care. Everybody struggles with it. Or God who's apathetic to our lack of generosity. Well, I, look, I know God says give 10%. That's the, that's the floor. And, you know, like we should be giving even more than that. Uh, but but you know, God, God can't be serious. Or their lack of service. Yeah, like I see that we need more Liberty Kids volunteers, but you know, God, somebody's got it. God doesn't care if I jump in. Or the fact that we're, they're not going into a deep relationship with God. Well, look, God knows I'm busy. I don't have time to read my Bible and pray in the morning. I'm just busy. God knows that. He doesn't care. See, the people like that, and I follow myself, in, I follow into that too sometimes, they act like God is cool with us being half-hearted Christians. That God's cool if we're just half in all the time. Like when Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me, he's like, but only if you feel like it. And I think that's why Jesus tells us to be like little children, because there's no apathetic four-year-olds. Right? There's just not. 
Little kids are all in all the time. Right? You don't have to tell them they're not Iron Man. They believe they're Iron Man. You can tell them that they're not Spider-Man. They can't climb on the walls, but they will try. And I think it's why parents, that's why we're so tired, because our kids are all in all the time. But kids aren't apathetic. So Jesus says, be like them. A God who's okay with apathy is a picture of God. It ain't God. And David said this, he says, let all, not some, not part, all that is within me, bless his holy name. All. He's saying, I'm feeling apathetic. I'm feeling disappointed. Soul, wake up. All of you. See, if you start praising God with all that is in you, you give him everything that is in you, everything will come with you. And it's that simple. Your, you give God all of you, your time will come with you, your talents, your treasures will follow closely behind. I don't believe, and listen to me, I feel this for you, and I feel for myself, I don't believe God wants an apathetic life for you. What a boring way to live. Half-hearted all the time? About God? About his commands? About the relationship with you? He doesn't want that for you. He knows apathy will kill your soul. I know some of us may be apathetic, but there's some of us who are disappointed too. And praise helps us shake the disappointments. For some of you here, I know life's really knocked you down so many times you're not where you want to get back up. And God invites you to bring all of your disappointments. He doesn't want you to act like you never happened. Well, just put a smiley face on and act like you're okay when you're not. But he wants you to rely on him. I'm struck all the time when I read the Psalms how often even other psalmists say, God is my strength. It's like I can't even stand on my own two legs without God. And when you come to him in your weakness and you're unable to pick yourself back up, you praise him because he helped you stand up, because he's your strength. See, praise is the remedy to fake picture of God that we develop ourselves. Pick up in verse 2. Bless the Lord on my soul and forget not all his benefits. David's saying, remember all he's done for you. And remember God is, look at verse 3. Number 5. He's the God who forgives. He's the God who heals. He's the God who redeems. He's the God who crowns. He's the God who satisfies. Listen, don't let apathy and disappointment give you a fake picture of God. Don't let apathy and disappointment rock your souls to sleep. You ever seen those boot camp documentaries? where, like, the sergeant comes in, he, like, busts down the door. Some of you here are in the military. You can probably tell me if it's true or not. I don't know if it's paid for TV. They bust in the door, right? They got the, the, the new recruits in bed. The sun just coming up. He's, like, groggy. He can't get out of bed. And the sergeant's, like, yelling in his ear, like, get up, maggot. And he, like, takes the mattress and he throws it on the floor with the recruit in it still, right? Sometimes they, they have to be thrown out of bed. 
Praise will get your sleepy soul out of bed. And David's saying, command your soul to praise. Say, soul, it's time to get up. You're asleep. Wake up. Jesus wouldn't call you maggot, so don't use that. David tells his soul to get up. He's saying, tell your soul, get up. I'm not going to let you be apathetic anymore. I'm not let you going to live a half-hearted Christianity. I know life's knocked you down, soul, but I'm not going to let it knock you out. Wake up. Praise the Lord. And sometimes to do that, sometimes it's like pep talk, you know, like, get up, soul. Throw the mattress down and with my soul in it and, and yell at it. Sometimes you need to do that. And sometimes you just need to give yourself a little bit of a history lesson to remind yourself why you praise God. Because David does that too. Look at uh, verse 6 through 7. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the people of Israel. He's saying just like he was to Moses and the people of Israel, he'll be faithful to you. He'll be faithful to his church and all. Every once in a while, I got to give myself a little bit of history lesson about living in peace, about how God moves. What's all I got to do? I get down about something. I got to say, look, hey, Evan, do you remember when living in peace was just sick people in your living room? Remember you didn't know where people were going to from? And remember that by God's grace, you launched two years later, January 2009. And you settled in around about people. Then I remember. Remember the people that were? Remember how you shut down the fire? Remember how for all you people? Who's the gene? Huh? Hey, remember it says the Bible seven days every day that happened. And here we are, we can send Praise God. In January, we'll be five years old. Five years here. you do you want I said, I would like to call this, praying right now. The best thing you can do be the God on your Maybe that all 
at the end of Psalm 103, what David does, he calls on the angels. He calls on God's armies, his hosts, to praise him. He calls on his ministers and so forth. He says, bless the Lord. See, God doesn't waste your soul. He's not wasting it now. He never If you allow him to leave your story into beautiful country, he wants to hear your story. God is faithful to all of that. God No matter the good God. He doesn't change these When you allow God to grant it in the internet of your heart, and you allow your emotions to develop a picture of God, as they ebb and flow, so does your God. So a God who constantly changes with how you feel will actually drive you further into apathy, further into disappointment. Because if God is all about how I feel in the moment, some days God is, God is awesome, and other days he's a letdown. Some days God is like, no, follow Jesus. Some days he's like, it's cool. You don't feel like, take your time. You want to lash out on your kids? You know. God is absolutely and that's like some kind of Christian, like, oh, we're worshiping. Like, God was so good. It's like, yeah, and He was, and He did. When life beats you down, if it's ebbs and flows, if God ebbs and flows with your emotions, God worships. No bad deed and lesson. No sin, no suffering, no disappointment. You take it away. Apathy doesn't change it. His faithfulness doesn't change for you. Neither does he. God is eternal. Verse 13 in Psalm 103. Go ahead. As father should passions with children. Lord, I, of all the pictures, you know, all the ways to address God, you 
For those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. But here's the problem. None of us. None of us have been completely faithful to our side of the None of us. None of us have always remembered to do all that he's commanded us. And God knows where we are. He knows we're like grass and flowers and things. And despite
What Jesus has done for you, God says, I will love you as much as I love the Son. In the same way I love Jesus, I love you. Simply by putting your faith and trust in what Jesus has done. not And the Holy Spirit draws our hearts in the Son and put our feet in the Son, Jesus. He received the same love the Father showed the Son. So the God is a spiritist into our hearts. Well, you know, they might not like the preaching or the music or the liturgy. What's up with that? Or it might ruin my friendship if I talk to them about Jesus. Oh, well, look, they know I go to church. So, like, I I mean, like, you know, so if you grasp the reality of God's love, you should be exploding and overflowing with it, not making excuses for why you can't. Share the Um, yeah, we've heard that. 
these individual workers. Worship will do the meaning and love to each other, song, and prayer, and gospel. When we cry together, when we celebrate together, so could you just do this this week? Like either go to a home meeting and share God's love with somebody there, or could you just text somebody or call somebody this week and say, I just want you to know God loves you. Well, everyone would say that. Yeah. Now, look, if you haven't received the Father's love, haven't been received, it must be like, you need to do that. If you're not, you don't see that love. Looks like this you have, right? Allow God to move the Or like when you can't worship, but I can, you can hear me talk about God's love and proclaim it. And when I'm having a, when I'm disappointed, when I'm struggling, when I'm apathetic, I can hear you praising God and I can go, so wake up because I want to be like them. It's probably good to empathize. Like, yeah, yeah. 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 I'll pray about it. Does it mean anything like the Jesus juke we do to get out of the conversation? Yeah, yeah, I'll pray about that. No, actually, stop and pray. Bring them Look, when you say any possible I want you to use it for time to throw out all the fake pictures you have of God and adopt the picture of God that moves you. I want you to use the Apostles' Creed to awaken your soul, to remind yourself of God's faithfulness, to shake off apathy and disappointment. And I want you to use this as a time to remind each other and proclaim to the world. Why don't we stand and say the Apostles' Creed? So Christians, what do you believe? Believe in God, Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth.
I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered on the Pontius was crucified, died, and buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended to heaven and seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life of Let's pray. Listen. For those of you who are here today who have never put your faith and trust in Jesus, who have not accepted the love of God for you, I just want you to take a moment to say, to God, silent God, thank you for your love. I'm sorry I haven't accepted it. Please forgive me for the sake of your son, Jesus. And Father, for the rest of us, I pray we wouldn't be apathetic. I pray we wouldn't live in disappointment and create these false pictures of you, but we would run to Scripture to hear of your love and how much you love us and how you love us like you love the Son. So Holy Spirit, awaken our souls, enliven our hearts as we come to the table and we remember all that Jesus has done for us. This act of love, this great act of love. Draw our hearts to him, to Holy Spirit. And so Father, we praise you. We give you all praise today. We praise you in your name and in Jesus' name who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit now and forever. Amen.